God a wonderful clap offering for all these young people. Praise the Lord. That was Gwenel. She's only seven years old, and she sings with such great confidence. Amen. And of course, there's Win, Win Tang. And even as when Grenell was singing in the last seven to eight minutes, she drew what she drew just now. Isn't it amazing? Come on, once again, let's give God a good clap offering. There's such immense, wonderful talents we have in this church. Of course, the worship team as well. Really, really, we are so blessed to have them in this church. I'm Pastor Chu. I'm the senior pastor of this church. And I want to extend to all of you a very warm welcome. And I thank you for being here with us on this wonderful Christmas Sunday. Come on, let's give God a good clap offering. Amen. Whoa. I'm going to have a show of hands. Any one of you who are here for the first time visiting us, we want to thank you for honouring us with your presence. Anyone here for the first time invited by friends, rally, just raise your hands. Wow, so many of you. Whoa. Up in the balcony as well. Wow. I think a good 30% or 40% of you are new. That's so good. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for gracing us with your presence. I want to share with you this morning on a message, Christmas message entitled, Emmanuel, God with us. Let me start with a story that most of us probably know about the Wright brothers. Now, how many of you have heard about the Wright brothers? Raise your hands. Yeah, most of you. There's Oliver and Wilbur Wright. The year was 1903, 17th December, when the Wright brothers were the first people in the entire history that rode on the right flyer, they called that plane, in a sustained and controlled flight in the first time ever in human history. They flew the plane for only 120 feet, which is probably a little longer than this auditorium, for 12 seconds. And it was the first time ever that man applied the physics, the principles of aerodynamics, and it changed not only history, but our lives. They did it four times that morning. The last time, they flew over 400 feet. And news of this achievement quickly spread throughout the known world at that time. Oliver and Wilbur wired back to their hometown in Dayton, Ohio, saying that they will be back for Christmas. And the next day, the Dayton Daily News had these headlines. Prominent local bicycle merchants to be home for Christmas. And the achievement was relegated to a corner of the front page. They missed the point. They have missed the main point. And I sense in my spirit that this is exactly what has happened to many of us today in the world. So we have Christmas parties. This is one of my young adults' Christmas party. 
Christmas sales. This is Orchard Road. I think this year's Christmas lights and Christmas trees. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. I myself every year have a Christmas tree in my house and uh, it's easier to put it up and more difficult to take it down. I don't know about you. And we keep it to the 13th day of Christmas, you know. The point is this. We miss the point. When we focus on the tinsels, we miss the truth. When we focus on the tinsels, we miss the truth. But you say to me, Pastor, what is the truth? Good question. Who is the truth? Where is the truth? Do you know what? That's exactly the same question that Pilate asked Jesus. Where is the truth? And little did he know that the truth was standing just two feet away from him. Here is the truth. I'm going to share with you today the real reason for the season, the truth. In the midst of all the celebrations, nothing wrong with that. We cannot miss the truth for the tinsels. So what is the impact? What is the significance of the coming of Jesus Christ on Christmas Day? Yesterday, as I was coming to the first service, Someone called me and said, Pastor, can you tell me one thing? Did Jesus Christ really come on the 25th of December? I said, no. Then why are we celebrating Christmas? I said, well, we celebrate Agong's birthday every year on the 6th of, 3rd of June. Ma. <laughs> it's a memory. It's a celebration. It's not the exact date, understand? But every year, the entire world Every tribe, every language, every creed. As the sun rises from the east in New Zealand, every time as we speak, the sun is still rising. Billions honour and worship the Lord. But who is Jesus? Where did I get this from? God with us. Emmanuel. What do you mean by God with us? I get it from the Bible. So let me read to you Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to verse 23 in my Bible. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, and before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Joseph, in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid 
take Mary home to be your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And this is the reason. This is the reason, the real reason, why Jesus came, so that he will save his people from their sins. This is the real reason. And I will amplify on that in a short while. So all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet, the virgin shall be with child and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. So this is where I got my, my title from and, my, and, and my, my message this morning. God with us. And you say to me, Pastor, what do you mean? How can God be in Jesus, and when Jesus Christ came on Christmas Day, no matter what date that would be, it is God with us. What do you mean, Pastor? What are the implications? What is the impact on my life? There are three. There are three implications I want to share with you when we say Jesus is God with us. Three impact. The first one is historical. The second one is personal, and the third one is eternal. Three impacts. Firstly, historical. In other words, is there, pastor, a person called Jesus Christ that actually walked on planet Earth? Or is it a figment of your imagination? How do I know? that there is such a man called Jesus Christ that came onto the earth? How do I know? Good question. And my answer to you is there is. How do I know that there is a man called Jesus Christ that came down to the earth? The answer is this. Time is split. B.C.? Before Christ, and A.D., Anno Domini, the year of the Lord. Something happened. That time is split into two. Before Christ, and Anno Domini. And today, it is the 25th of December, 2022, A.D., after Christ came. Time is split. So was there a person called Jesus Christ that actually walked on earth? Is there or not? Yes. You know, I've been to Israel five times. And every time I go to Israel and visit an archaeological and historical site like this one, Golgotha, Calvary, it inspires me. It encourages me to know that the Bible is true. That in history, there, is a his, there was a historical Jesus. But who is he? So important that life is split, that time is split, rather. 
And as I visit Golgotha, it was the place where Jesus Christ was crucified. Lest, it reminds me of him, lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary, the place of the skull. It looks like a skull, right? And who can forget the garden tomb? May not be this one, but a similar one. That Jesus Christ was buried in a similar tomb for three days, and then he rose again. And who can forget the garden of Gethsemane with all the olive trees? And do you know that this olive tree is still there over 2,000 years old? We means to say that sometime when Jesus walked and prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, this olive tree was there. <laughs> Father, not your will, but thine be done. Jesus prayed. What it means to me is this. There was a historical Jesus. But who is he? What's the impact of his life on my life. The amazing thing is this, my friend, listen to me, that the birth of Jesus Christ was not only historical, but also prophetically foretold hundreds, hundreds if not thousands of years, even before Jesus Christ was born, Bethlehem Ephrata, Micah 5 verse 2. And the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus Christ was born, the prophet Isaiah prophesied, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And his name shall be called Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And upon his shoulders, next slide, the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of Most Jehovah Sabaoth will accomplish this. And so it was. <laughs> on Christmas Day, someday, Jesus Christ was born. But more important, then the historical fact of Jesus' birth is the personal implication to you and to me. What has God got to do with me, Pastor? So what if Jesus Christ came? What has that got to do? What, how does it affect me? Now hear me well. The real reason why Jesus Christ came and was born on Christmas Day, sometime of the year, was to save, is to save your sin, is to die on the cross, shed his precious blood, so that your sin and my sin, all our sins, can be forgiven once and for all. But you say to me, Pastor, is that important? Not important to me. So what? I don't know about you. It's important to me. 
is important to me. Why? Because I know that I am a sinful man. But you're a pastor. I am a pastor. But I'm also a sinful man. Like Paul, many times I will say, the thing that I want to do, I do not do. And whatever I don't want to do, that I do. I don't know about you, but many times I say, woe is me. Who can save me from this sinful self? One person. Jesus Christ, why? This is probably the picture of Golgotha on Jesus' days. Three crosses. Jesus was crucified on the middle one. On the left was a robber. On the right was a thief. Both sinful men. Only one of them came to Jesus and says, Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus turned to the man and says, the dying thief, he says, today you will be with me in paradise. What's the difference between the center cross and all the other two? Because on that central cross was hung a man with no sin. No sin. Is that important? Yes. Because only a sinless man is qualified to die for your sin and my sin. None of us can do that because all of us are sinners saved by grace. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Only one man. Only a sinner that could have. Jesus have sinned? Now, this is a theological question. I believe he could have, but he did not sin. The book of Hebrews tells us that. So that you and I can have hope. So that you and I can be saved. So that when he died on the cross, he shed his precious blood so that you and I can experience forgiveness. I don't know about you, but I need that. And I have seen so many lives being changed. So many lives being changed because of what Jesus Christ had done. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, God demonstrates His own love for you, for me, that while we were yet sinners, still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the true meaning of Christmas. Not the tinsels, but the truth. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is a gift, my friend. You don't earn it. It's the gift of God offered to you today. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Believe me, friend. I've been a pastor now for around 30 years, you know that. And I was a medical doctor before I became a pastor. And I will share with you in a short while why I do what I do today. But notwithstanding that, I have seen hundreds, literally hundreds of people transform before my eyes when they accepted Jesus Christ into their lives. And some of them are actually sitting down here today in this audience. Some of them are listening to me online. And I want to say to you, and welcome those of you in the, in, the, in the overflow room as well. You are important. Even though you're in the overflow room, there are pastors there ministering to you. 
And I have seen so many people whose lives have been totally transformed. There, was a, there is a businessman who owed 5 billion ringgit. Oh. I thought it was 4. The wife corrected me, Pastor, it's 5. <laughs> what? And you know that before he, they became a Christian, there's so much stress. You know the amount of stress on you? I didn't say 5 million, huh? There was no peace. And understandably so. But he accepted the Lord. I remembered very distinctly when we opened up this church on the 19th of June, 2006. We had our first service in order. They were sitting there. How do I know? Because they are in the picture that's hung in my office. I recognize them. They are there. Can't run away. And when they accepted the Lord, do you know what peace came to their heart, came to their life, their family? And today they are one of the most nicest Christians I've ever known. Who did this? Jesus. I also know of a young lady that was looking for love, acceptance. And she, so she went from relationship to relationship. Went into drugs, went into alcohol. She had three abortions. Her life was a total mess until one of our young adults befriended her. And together he went to a cell and she accepted the Lord. And you know what came to her life? Peace, sense of belonging, love, real love, not that kind of stupid love that throws you away after they're finished with you. She found the love of God, you see. And today she's totally changed. She's married now with two lovely children. Come on, let's give God a clap offering. Don't you think it's worth giving glory to God? Lives are changed. Joy, love, peace, forgiveness, reconciliation. Come back to their lives. A lot of things money can never buy. I remember an intellectual. Why do I say this example? Because there are many intellectuals here. She, this guy is a Caucasian. He married one of my young adults. And both of them were working here. He was an oil and gas, I think with a PhD. So my young adult brought him to see me in my office. And I met up with him several times. And every time it was an intellectual discourse. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. They began to ask me questions. But you know, up to a certain limit, I can't answer already, you know. But the very fact that if Pastor Chu cannot answer you, it doesn't mean that God don't exist, you know. Right? If your intellectual curiosity is not fully, fully satisfied, it doesn't mean that God don't exist, you know. So I told him, Simon, that's his name. I didn't say Simon who, huh? <laughs> I said, you stay. You come. Listen to our sermons. Worship the Lord. And so they did. Both husband and wife. Two years. 
At the end of two years, one morning when I gave the altar call on a Sunday, Simon was sitting behind. He was the first to raise up his hand. He raised up his hand as if I don't see it. He said, Pastor, it's me. And he ran forward. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And today, he is the key leader in Perth. Come on, let's give God a good clap offering. Don't you think he deserves the praise? Something happened. Now, who did this? Jesus. Share with you one more testimony because it involves the entire family. This man was in a coma for months. I think he had a stroke. And God, we got involved in the church prayed, the self I remember his name was up there on the screen. We prayed for people who are sick in our normal services here. I remember his name was up on the screen and we prayed, we pounded heaven's doors for his health and his life. And to cut a long story short, he woke up after several months and he, he shared this testimony of how when he was in coma, he saw Jesus. Jesus appeared to him and he was totally healed. And today, him, his wife and his five children are all saved and serving God faithfully in a Chinese service. Come on, let's give God a good clap offering. He deserves the highest praise. But what, what, what is my point of sharing this? Is to share with you, and there are hundreds more, people who are here, intellectuals. There was an intellectual that came yesterday. And then, at that time, I was asking him, you want to accept Jesus? He says, no. <laughs> at that moment, another intellectual came, a professor of Maxwell maxillofacial surgery from University of Malaya. He said, I am intellectual. I became a Christian. How intellectual can you be? A professor of maxillofacial surgery, you know. How intellectual can you be? It's nothing to do with intellect. It's got to do with your faith. Do you believe or not? That's all there is. When you and I believe, I have seen it happen hundreds of times in my 30 years of ministry. Families are turned around. Lives are turned around. There is hope. There is peace. There is purpose. There is joy. There is freedom. And all these things are offered to you. Take it. On this day, I'm very sure some of you, many of you have heard the gospel many times. You're fighting Resisting, I don't know why. But I believe on this day is your day of salvation and heaven rejoice when your name is written in the book of life. But the most important impact is not the historical impact of why he's called Emmanuel, God with us. It's not even the personal impact in this life where you will have joy, peace, purpose, forgiveness, restedness in your spirit. Yes, you still have problems, understand? But you know and you know that your spirit is anchored in hope. There is harapan. <laughs> it's the eternal impact. And this is so, so important. Hear me and hear me very well now. What do I mean? You see, when Jesus Christ came 
died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. Remember, I showed the tomb for three days and three nights. And on the third day, Jesus rose again, and by rising again, it demonstrates that he has conquered death. And death is the final enemy that every one of us, without fail, including me, every one of you, I don't care whether you're a prince or you're a pauper, is an appointment that every single person in the entire human race will have to meet one day. But because of what Jesus Christ had done and resurrected from the dead, he has conquered death. And that's why the Bible can say, face to face, as if talking to death, where, oh death, is your victory? Where, oh death, is your sting? Can you say that? You must have a reason to say that. It's not taunting death. It's a cry of victory. Where, oh death, is your victory? Where, oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But praise be to God. Thanks be to God. Read Verse 37 with me, church, come on. Read it loud, would you dare it with me? And read it triumphantly, it's okay with you? Okay, verse 57, are you ready? Those online as well, upstairs, downstairs here. Okay, read loud, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? One, two, three. Be to God. To our Lord Jesus. One more time, this one louder. Verse 57, one, two, three. Be to God. Precisely. Precisely. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, we have eternal security. And this is so, so important because the last enemy, the Bible says, will be destroyed is death. And he has put everything under his feet. Everything under his feet. You know, for me, as a doctor before, I was an obstetrician and gynecologist. And now as a pastor, I see a lot of death. And I was telling the other two services that, you know, I have I, I visited and I know every cemetery and crematorium in the Klang Valley. That's my job. I visited almost every hospital in town. That's my job. And believe me, I've seen a lot of death. I, I, was, I used to work in Tongshin Hospital as an obstetrician and gynecologist. And all, I was also the medical director of the hospital. And every morning, the first thing I need to do is sign death certificates. Why? Because one-third of the patients in Tongshin Hospital are all cancer patients. And the Cancer Society has its clinic in the basement. Every morning. I signed death certificates. Every morning, they, they wheel the dead bodies up of the main entrance. Every morning, every morning, six years I was there. I know what it is. But my most dramatic encounter with death, and I've shared this story before, I've shared it again, was one day when I was working in my clinic on a Saturday morning, I remembered. 
And it was quite a lot of people outside waiting. Some of them waited for hours on end. And I was trying to finish my clinic. The phone rang. Labor room. Doctor, can you please quickly come now? Fully. Fully means about to deliver. So I put down the phone. Finished the last patient. Phone rang again. Sister from Ward 9. Hey, doctor, can you please come up? Uh? Why? Uh? Uh, I don't know. Uh, this dying man uh, wants a priest. Uh. You're a pastor, right? Can you come or not? <laughs> oh, no. Put down the phone. What should I do? Go to the labor room? Go to Ward 9? Or try and placate my irate patients outside who have waited for a long time? I went to Ward 9. When I arrived there, I went to the room. It was crowded with relatives. I got everybody out. And I went through the curtain. And I saw this man breathing laboredly, laboriously. I held his hand. And I said, sir, I'm a doctor. I'm also a pastor. He said to me, whatever you have to do, do quickly, lah. And I asked him, sir, do you know Jesus Christ? Yeah. Do you want to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior? Yeah. But just to make sure, in one minute, so I tell my pastors and my elders, you train yourself to share the gospel in one minute because that's the only time you have. In one minute, I share with him what I shared with you so that he understand. And then I led him in a sinner's prayer. He accepted the Lord at his last gasp. I went out. Guess where I went to? See my patients? No, labor room. <laughs> I had to deliver my patient. And the baby just came out by itself and I got a couple of thousand dollars for doing nothing. <laughs> because I believe the babies delivered themselves one. And then I finished my clinic. At 2 p.m., I went to Ward 9. The bed was empty. Up to today, I still don't know his name. But I do know one thing, my friend. I do know one thing. That when I get to heaven, this man would probably be among the first that greets me. Come on, let's give God a clap offering. You, it's true. He would be the first. I don't know his name. But more importantly, is his name is written in the book of life. God knows his name. Isn't that more important? I don't know who he is. Who cares? But his name is in the book of life. Same for you, my friends. Same for you. But the most important reason why I say this with all my conviction and my heart to you is because of what happened to my father, and I've shared it several times, I've shared it again. Now, my dad was the first director general of telecommunications Malaysia, Mr. Chiu Kampok. Many of you won't know who he is, most of you don't know who he is. Honest man. Served the government and Malaysia well in the early days. 
But one day, he had a stroke and a heart attack. His heart stopped. And by the time we took him down from upstairs to downstairs, put him in a car and drove from our house to Pantai Medical Center in Bangsa. Without traffic, it takes 11 minutes. With traffic, it takes longer. That's how I, I, I calculated. I don't know how long. When we went to the hospital, they were ready in the ER, in the emergency room. They did give him a DC shock, check his electrolytes, and so on and so forth. And he went on and tried to resuscitate him for a good 10 minutes. And then after that, he came back to life. His heart beat again. It was flat, but talk, talk, talk. It came back again. Wow, everyone was so happy. But he was in a coma for hours. And they thought that he had brain damage, you see. For over 20 over minutes, the heart stopped. What do you expect? But he came back to life in the evening. And when we saw him, when he came back to life, he was praying and praising. I don't know what he was. I think he was praying in tongues. And, oh, I don't know what he was talking about. He was praising God. And when he come down, he said, Dad, where were you? What happened to you? And my father gave the amazing testimony of how he had an out-of-body experience. He said he saw all of you trying to revive him. But then he said he went to two places, and, and this place might offend you when I say that. He went to hell. Hell? Yeah. And he saw a lot of things. He described to me. I won't describe to you. But more importantly, he saw people that were supposed to be saved. His friends. And then a hand came down from heaven. See, Kampok, your name is not there. And pulling up the heaven. And he was describing to me the fantastic scenes of heaven including a circular rainbow. Not half the circle. A circular rainbow of a beautiful color, of which I won't tell you until you ask me after the service. It's a beautiful colored rainbow. And the Lord said, I want you to go back, Kampong. I want you to tell the world what you have seen and heard. And for 10 years after that, he went throughout the whole of Malaysia with a full gospel businessman fellowship, sharing his testimony with Peter Tong and Devaraj and the whole gang of them. He went, to, he went to Australia even. He went to Indonesia, Singapore, Hong Kong. Thousands of people were saved. And he died a peaceful death after that. Why am I saying this? Because of what my father went through. It's a privilege for me to give up my medical profession in my life to serve God full-time as a pastor. Why? Because I believe that what he said is true. There's nothing more important in life than making sure that you have eternal security, understand? Listen to me. And I say this with all the love that I can master. Don't take it lightly. Whoever you are, it doesn't matter. Whoever you are, prince or pauper, Make sure, make sure you have eternal security in God. 
That is why Jesus came. Let me close. Can I have the musicians on stage? How many of you have heard of Larry King? You know, Larry King Live was a very wonderful, favorite program in CNN until he retired, right? We all know that Larry King is the King interviewer until he met his match in Barbara Walters. How many of you know who Barbara Walters is? In 2005, Barbara Walters interviewed Larry King and the whole transcript is found there. You Google it. So throughout the whole interview, the dynamics is the interviewer became the interviewee and the interviewee became the interviewer because they were, you know what I mean? Two giants. And Barbara Walters asked Larry towards the end of that interview. He says, Larry, what is your greatest fear? And Larry said, I fear death. And Barbara Walters then followed up with this pertinent question. Do you believe in God? Larry King said, not sure. Not sure. You see, when you are not sure of God, you will fear death. When you are not sure where you're going after you die, you will fear death. Not only fear death, you will be fearful of everything. My future, my health, everything. The Bible says that Jesus Christ came. He demonstrated His love towards you because perfect love casts out fear. So I'm going to close. I sense in my spirit that there are many of you here who have heard the gospel many times and you're brought here by your friend, by your loved one who loves you, who wants the best for you. And believe me, when I share this, this is my third service, you know, after this, I'll crash, you know, I'm 76 years old. More than just the physical effort, it's my mental and emotional effort, you know that? But why? Because I want you to encounter God. And I thank you for being here. But more important than listening to a Christmas service and songs and program. Surely, there must be something more important that you can take home. And that important is your eternal life. Understand? Take it. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. Will you do that, friend? Listen to me. No compulsion. No cohesion. Between you and God. And I want to believe that while you are here today, it's not by accident, but by divine appointment. You have been resisting for a long time. Fighting. 
struggling. But today, I want to believe that today you will yield and join with the hundreds and thousands of people here in this auditorium and elsewhere that have found love, true love, joy, acceptance, peace, forgiveness, freedom, purpose in their lives. Will you accept Him as your Lord and your Savior? At a count of three, I want you to raise your hands in a short while. High enough for me to see so that I can see you and, and the rest can see you and then we'll pray for you. One. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 27, Peace, peace I give to you. My peace. Remember, He is the Prince of Peace. Not any peace. Not any joy. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Give I to you. Look, I told you I'm 76. I've got nothing to hide, nothing to prove, nothing to show. It's the best Christmas present you can have. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says again in John chapter 1, verse 12, For as many as received Him, Jesus Christ, to them gave He the power to become sons and daughters of the living God. You become a member of the family of God. So I'm going to count to three. No compulsion. You and God. But I want to believe that today is your day of salvation, my friend. Today is the day of salvation. Don't miss it. You have nothing to lose. You have absolutely nothing to lose. So I'm going to the tree. At the tree, you just stretch your hands high enough for me to see, okay? One, two, three. Just stretch your hands. Yes, sir, I see that hand. Help me. Ushers, help me. Yes, sir, I see that hand. Yes, anybody else? I'm going to look at the ground floor first, understand? I'm looking at the ground floor. Yes, I see that hand. Any, at the back, anybody at the front? Yes, I see the hand. Yes, I see the hand. Anybody else? I know I, I can't see with the light on my eyes, understand? But you raise your hands. It's high enough. That's high enough at the ground floor. Anybody else? Anybody else? So I'm going to look at the top now, at the balcony. No one looking around, all eyes closed, all heads bowed. Between you and God, if you feel God is speaking to you, and you want to give your life and accept Jesus Christ into your life, your life will be totally transformed. You'd stretch your hand right now. One, two, three, in the, in the balcony. Anyone? Just raise your hands high enough for me to see. Is there anyone? Thank you. Yes, I see that. Yes, yes, yes. Anybody else? Anyone? Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Yes, I see that. I see that. Yes, I see your hand, ma'am. Anybody else? Yes, I see that in the right, right hand, right to the end, right, right hand corner at the end there. Look, there are, there are so many of you, understand. 
Yes, I see the hand, ma'am. I'm going to wait a little bit longer. Anybody else at the front that I missed you just now? Yes. You know, yesterday, I was so happy that I shook the hand of a medical doctor. He was 50, late 50 years old. He, his wife brought him. The wife was so happy, almost in tears. He said, Pastor, can you pray for my husband? I prayed so long for him. He accepted the Lord just now. And when I prayed for him, tears came to his eyes. Tears of joy. Tears of joy. So is there anybody else? You just raise your hands long enough for me to see. In a short while, I'm going to ask those of you who raise your hands to come to my left. So you came with a friend. You came with your family member. You, you come out with the person, understand? Offer, offer to come out with that person. Come as a family, you have to. Come out with your relative. You walk to my left. But I also want to open the altar for healing. Why? Because I have seen in many of the Christmas days, healing take place because this is the house of God and God is here. I want you to be well. There are many things that medical science cannot, cannot understand. And I've seen it. We have started a ministry called El Piso Ministry for years now. Where majority of the people in this, about 60, 70 of them are cancer patients. Why? Because we believe that God can heal cancer. Amen. And sure enough, not everybody is healed, but enough. Because testicular cancers, renal cancers, uterine cancers, leukemias, name it. So I want to believe that whatever your sickness is, you come in faith, heart problems, spinal issues, asthma, allergy, some of you got skin problems. You come to the Lord so that you have peace, so that your internal milieu, listen to me, is at peace. When your internal milieu is rested, it won't manifest in skin diseases. Migraines. I will open the altar the shop while and you come and let's believe, amen, that God will heal. Come on, let's all stand. Look, I, I, I have to remove the first two rows, you don't mind. So sorry about it, huh? Don't feel offended, don't feel rejected. You can stand on the side. It's just that we have to remove, all right, first two chairs, all right, so that, but please don't go home, huh? don't go away yet, huh? All right, all right, praise God. At the closing stage of this morning, I just want to give you a couple of minutes to be alone with God. Enough of talking. You can close your eyes if you want to, my friend. I don't want you to come here and not encounter God. It's a waste of your time. Believe me, it's a waste of your time. The fact that you are here and God is here, you reach out to Him and connect. It's like touching the electric wire. Power will come to your life. Healing will flow. Isn't that what you want? So everyone, close your eyes. Don't worry what happened in the front. Don't care what other people say between you and God. I'll give you a couple of minutes to do that. Those in the balcony as well. Those online. Those in the overflow room. 
You know, this entire weekend, we have over 5,000 people that were here on site, you know. And we have seen so many people, hundreds, ministered to and blessed in the last 24 hours. Don't miss it. Just spend a moment of quietness before I close. Every one of you, if you have to close your eyes, you close your eyes. Tell the Lord what is in your heart. Connect. He's here. Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Mary, did you not know that when you kiss your baby, you kiss the face of God? awesome presence of God in the house. Let's stretch our hands to Him as we close. Will you that? Father, in Jesus' name, I want to bless everyone here and online in the overflow room as well. I want to pray a blessing upon every family represented here today. And some of your family members are not here with you. It doesn't matter. Wherever they are, God will take care of them, understand? But you be faithful. I always believe and I tell my pastors this, when you take care of God's house, God will take care of your house. If you come from another church, another state, another city, when you go back home, Bless your own church. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. He's worthy. He is worthy, my friend. He's absolutely worthy. Love Him for the rest of your days. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you this day. May the Lord make His face always to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the good Lord, He's a good God, friend, He's a good God, turn His countenance towards you and your loved ones and always give you peace, always give you shalom and surely goodness and mercy that has said the loving kindness, the love of God shall follow you all the days of your life and you and your children will love the Lord serve the Lord and dwell in the house of the Lord forever and I pray this to bless you 
in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all of us will say, Amen. Whoa! God bless you. Have a wonderful Christmas. Go home and bless your family. Amen. Thank you.